privilege to have Pastor Mitchell. Amen. You know, he's a real humble guy. And, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to hear apostolic ministry tonight. Let's give him a big hand as Pastor Mitchell comes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming tonight, uh, all the pastors who've come and the people to um, honor God and hear the Word of God preached. I uh, talked to uh, Josh Montori when I came in. I said, how old are you, Josh? He said, 20. I said, you married yet? He said, uh, September the 4th. So when I uh, ministered for Bobby and Trish, they were missionaries in Fiji, and uh, Josh was a little bitty guy then. And uh, he's grown. Uh, they're about to have an empty nest in the Montoya household. And uh, all the children married, grown up, time rolls on. Jesus still rules in heaven above. Can you say that? In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, if you'll turn there with me. A great event happened in May of this year in Pakistan. A team of 32 United States Navy SEALs went on an excursion into Pakistan and executed Osama bin Laden, a mass murderer, and brought justice to him. This is one of the great events of uh, this present time frame was a uh, tremendous statement of uh, you want to be careful who you make mad. Can you say amen? Because he uh, upset the wrong people and though it took 10 years, uh, he was brought to justice. But what I want to talk about tonight is uh, those 32 men. Those 32 men uh, executed one of the great master strokes of our lifetime when they went behind uh, in unfriendly territory, not announced in a secret mission, and uh, caught this man in the middle of the night, executed him, brought him to justice, and uh, took his body out to prove it. And uh, from an aircraft carrier, they buried him at sea. The only thing that they should have done is dipped him in pig's blood. But uh, they did the job. That was the first time that many of us uh, knew any details about the Navy SEALs. These are indeed a uh, very unique group of people, Navy SEALs. Not just ordinary people, but they executed a mission that was uh, to be remembered. They will get no honor for that. This is, their names are secret. No one knows who they were, uh, but they executed that uh, mission. And what we need in the kingdom of God is we need some kingdom seals. I want to talk to you about this. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 20, two verses there and then skipping to Ephesians 6, I want to talk to you about seals for the kingdom. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all 
generations forever and ever. Now skip over with me to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And uh, uh, take the helmet, helmet uh, of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all uh, the saints. I want to talk to you about uh, kingdom seals. I want to consider with you for a moment the potential that there is in a believer in Jesus Christ, which we see in this passage of Scripture. Now, first of all, we want to talk about the seals, and we want to talk about Hell Week. The process for becoming a kingdom seal means that they have to go through what is known as Hell Week. This is an all-volunteer force of Navy enlistment personnel. They go through five and a half days of a total misery. That's why they call it Hell Week. They go through extremes of heat, extremes of cold, fatigue, and discouragement. And all the time that this is going on, their trainers are saying to them, all you have to do to get out of this is just ring this bell. That's all you have to do. And they're taunting them. You know that you're tired, you're miserable, uh, you don't want to go on. Just ring the bell and you can get out of this. Uh, and they go through this because the objective uh, is to produce uh, men who have been drawn beyond their normal and natural limits and ability uh, and be able to perform in a superhuman, uh, uh, superhuman way to perform a special objective or to go on a mission just as this mission that these men went on to into Pakistan. This is to bring out in these men a dimension that is beyond themselves, uh, challenge them to go beyond their natural ability uh, and the ordinary limits of human uh, strength and ability uh, and endurance and to push them beyond that uh, so that they can perform missions just as they did. Went into a country that probably would have been hostile, uh, would have killed them if they had caught them undoubtedly, uh, and, uh, and a very, very dangerous mission executed that uh, and came out, brought everyone out alive, uh, and also the man Osama bin Laden uh, who they were hunting. Believers uh, are people who have the ability for God to move them beyond their self. Look at this text for a moment, uh, because uh, as you look at this text, uh, 
to be able to bring out your potential, something has to take place that pushes you beyond uh, what we'd call uh, the envelope into an ability that God uh, can move uh, through you. Look at verse 20 for a moment. Let's read it again. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think uh, according to the power that works uh, in us. So in other words, we're talking about God moving uh, and being able to draw us beyond our normal ability and limits uh, to a potential that he says uh, we have uh, and he can move that through us uh, by his own power and we need to think about that. I was uh, looking in uh, National Geographic magazine and had a a photograph of uh, two men jumping out of a plane. One of them was upside down, the other was up and they were making this jump. And then it told the story of those two men. And one of these was a man who at age 25 was a skydiver named Michael Holmes. And he thought his life was over. He said, I ended up in a situation that no person would ever want to be in. He recalls he made the jump that almost killed him in 2006. His parachute malfunctioned uh, and his body plunged thousands of feet to the ground. But amazingly, uh, Holmes lived. uh, And this is the first jump, has a photograph of it, uh, that he made again uh, after surviving that. Demonstrating to us that within the human uh, frame... uh, there are amazing abilities uh, that, uh, that, uh, that just go beyond uh, explanation. There are stories of people who have come upon an automobile accident. Someone is trapped underneath uh, or some event, and by themselves, they lift the car up and rescue the person. Uh, they, they try to do that uh, in another period. They can't even budge the bumper, but they did that in that period of time because within the human frame, uh, there are tremendous potentials, uh, and uh, this is true in the spiritual realm uh, and uh, spiritual dimension. In the book of Acts chapter 15, tells us about two believers, uh, Barnabas and Paul, men who've risked their lives uh, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ or hazarded uh, their lives or gambled uh, their lives. Uh, And so God has within the human uh, personality tremendous potential. In every person sitting in this building tonight, there's a potential that God can move upon uh, and you can do far over and above uh, all that you really even ask or think if God can get a hold of your heart and move you to that. That's what I want to talk to you about it tonight. Let's think about the Apostle Paul. There's a passage of scripture in, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, uh, first Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, uh, chapter 11, uh, verses 23. Listen to this. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Uh, Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils in waters. In perils of robbers. uh, In perils of my own countrymen. In perils uh, of the Gentiles. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, uh, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, uh, besides the other things, uh, what comes upon me daily, 
my deep concern for all the churches. And you think you had a bad week last week. You're a pastor. You think you're under stress. Read that passage of scripture and think about he's relating uh, the events uh, that has happened that he's gone through. And yet in all these events, uh, he survived uh, and became a tremendous testimony to Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Thank God that we as we are believers are not limited to our natural abilities. Can you say amen? We're not limited to what we think that we can do, but God can break in upon human personality and powerfully move and accomplish tremendous things through just ordinary people like you. D.L. Moody was in a class, and history says that as he sat there, the instructor of that class said, God, or rather the world, has yet to see what God will do with one man that is totally uh, yielded to him. And as he heard those words, he said, I will be that man. And he went on to become an outstanding minister of the gospel, established Moody Institute, and the marks of his minister still with us today because uh, he made a determination he's going to let God use him. So let's think for a moment. That's the potential that God has for you this evening. Let's think about the mission uh, that uh, God has called us to perform. The church largely uh, is in default today. They are talking about uh, a business model to build a church. They're talking about uh, pastors who shouldn't be calling themselves uh, pastors, but they ought, to, uh, they ought to model themselves in a business model and ought to be a chief executive officer. And their recruitment and their mission statements uh, uh, reflect that. In other words, uh, what much of the church is today is built on, an, on nothing more than Amway dynamic, which is people networking together and a pyramid principle uh, and, uh, and, and that. And this is what most churches are building themselves on. Thank God most of our churches are not that way, but that's the church world. A couple of weeks ago, we, uh, uh, I was sitting listening to Greg Mitchell teaching the adult Sunday school, and uh, the door opened and two women worked, walked in. As soon as they walked in, I said, they're lesbians, that's what they are. I mean, you could feel it, you could see it. No, no man said, so, you know, what are these women? You didn't have to. It, it was apparent. <laughs> and so uh, when I went up on the platform, I said to Greg, I said, uh, those two lesbians that came in uh, when uh, you were teaching Sunday school, watch. They won't make it past my first point. <laughs> Think with me what I'm saying. That was not because I'm going to get up and say, any lesbians here, hit the deck, get out of here. No, it was something far more profound than that. Because anyone who is a genuine called minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have a spiritual dimension, and that spiritual dimension immediately is felt. And I wasn't even into my first point until they got up, walked out while I was preaching, and they were heard to say, Pastor Mitchell is old-fashioned. 
Thank God for that. Can you say amen? They didn't feel good while they were in there. Our churches are not to make people feel good. If they felt good, I would be greatly disappointed. And when they walked out, I said, thank God. I haven't lost my touch yet. God's still with me. In the book of Ephesians, it lets us understand that what we're involved in tonight is not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not using our human genius, our intellect, uh, or our uh, entertainment uh, abilities. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts uh, of wickedness in heavenly places. Uh, and so here we have a spiritual arena Paul draws it out. In Ephesians, he says, this is the potential that we have. In chapter 6, he says, this potential now is in a spiritual arena, and this is what we're involved in. And to be able to survive and to bring a dimension, you must know your enemy. Anyone who's involved in military maneuvers know, study, uh, their enemy, and they know what they're likely to do, where they're going to be, how they're going to react. Uh, and in Second Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 3, the Apostle Paul gives us a picture that you need to take note of. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, uh, casting down uh, imaginations or arguments, uh, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience uh, of Christ. Now think about this for a moment, because this is the arena that we're in. We're in the arena with entrenched uh, spiritual entities, uh, demonic forces, uh, and as they're there, they're exercising through people to defeat uh, the thing that God uh, is doing uh, in the world in which we live. You have to have a reality check. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 8, for you need to be sober, you need to be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So here we have a picture of our enemy and Paul draws this image of a lion who is the king of the beasts who walks about seeking whom he may devour and his major strategy is intimidation. He works on the mind. I don't know if you've ever seen any uh, footage uh, of lions. Lions are the king of the beast. Uh, and when they uh, get up and stretch themselves, uh, they open their mouths and go, Wow! And every beast in the field shakes. Some of you may have seen some footage of that. Because they know uh, this dude gets a hold of them. They're history. So the devil's tactic is intimidation. He works on the mind. He moves uh, in the realm of the imagination and the mind. Uh, and it says again, that old serpent, the devil, uh, and uh, many serpents are deadly. One strike is all that they need to make, uh, and you're dead. Uh, and so you have to study strategy. How is the devil moving? Study strategy. 
Know your enemy. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Uh, this is the stratagems. This is the, uh, the uh, method- methodology that the devil uses uh, to overthrow believers and hinder the mission that God has called you to do. In the book uh, of 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, uh, for we are not ignorant of uh, his devices. This is the same uh, picture, the same, uh, the same, uh, uh, the same uh, image uh, is that he has a strategy, and that strategy you must study and you must learn. If you're going to complete your mission, you must study your strategy. When these seals uh, went into Pakistan, uh, they did not inform the Pakistani intelligence uh, because they probably rightly suspected uh, that uh, they had enemies within their intelligence service uh, and it would be compromised. Uh, they went uh, at, uh, uh, at midnight, I think, if I recall correctly. They went in the hour uh, that they were not likely to be, uh, uh, to be uh, uh, seen coming. They went in an unlikely hour and performed their, message, their mission because they knew the elements they were dealing with and they knew what they must do had a time frame that they had to work within. And our mission tonight is to defeat, can you say amen, and conquer a powerful, demonic, spiritual, supernatural being. He's called Lucifer and known as the devil. And he has a vast army of demons at his command and a supernatural power and ability and you're not going to accomplish this with human ability mark that down you're not going to accomplish that with slick maneuvering you're not going to accomplish that with an Amway like church program you're not going to accomplish that by signs and wonders hanging up your sign and wondering if anybody's going to come (laughs) we're dealing with a deadly eternal, old, wise, uh, and crafty enemy, uh, and it's going to take a supernatural dimension from God, uh, and that's the mission that we're on, uh, and this is the challenge that we have. Look with me for a moment uh, and realize the dimensions and realize uh, uh, the arena we're in. We have to realize uh, our helplessness in this. How many of you have ever heard the words, uh, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You ever hear that, uh, that terminology? So you have to understand that. We are helpless in our own ability. God is going to have to get involved. God is going to have to move. And uh, the, uh, the stats on the, on the Navy SEALs, uh, only 30% of those who enter the program complete it. Only 30%. And even out of those, they're not guaranteed that they're all going to be able to be a Navy SEAL. And think about this now, all the time they're going through that, there's the extremes. They only get four and a half, uh, uh, four, uh, four hours of sleep in five and a half days. They're put into extremes of physical exhaustion, extremes uh, of exertion, extremes of heat, extremes of cold, 
on the water, in the land, over obstacle forces, constant, driven by, and all that time, they want to quit. They have uh, trainers who say, just ring the bell. You know you want to quit. You're not going to make it anyway. You might as well quit. And this is going on all the time. This is happening. Uh, and uh, uh, and they, they are going to have to draw out something. Can you say, man, that's beyond the normal ability. And this brings us to a statement that Jesus made. Many are called, but few are chosen. This statement comes out of a practice of the Roman army. The Roman army, uh, to be a a soldier in the Roman army was a great privilege. And uh, men trained, looking towards the day when they may be able to try out to be in the Roman army, uh, feats of of, uh, exertion, uh, feats of sports and, and feats of, uh, of military ability, shooting, throwing spears and so on. And uh, they did this on a field. And as they did this, they were observed. Uh, and as they were observed, uh, they were called to this. Uh, and as they were called to this, then they were observed. And only those uh, who were the top of the cream of the crop, uh, who had given themselves through long training. Or in other words, uh, what Jesus is saying uh, as he makes that spiritual application, many people are called to do work for God, uh, but few are chosen or few prepare themselves uh, for that day when they will become a seal for Jesus Christ. Now think with me for a moment. If you're going to uh, accomplish your mission and you're going to become a a kingdom seal, uh, you're going to have to get God involved. Can you say amen? See, most, most churches would function, uh, God could completely leave. It wouldn't change a thing. They would still have the same song service. They would still have the same uh, group of people uh, 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 assembly. There would be nothing different. There would be no dimension that changed. Uh, and, uh, 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 and this is sadly true. But if you're going to, if you're going to complete the mission. You're going to have to get God involved. And this entire treatise in Ephesians 6 is a, a statement to engage God. Engage God through the Holy Spirit. Listen to verse 18. Praying always with a prayer and all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Uh, uh, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So let me say to you flat out, you're not going to make the grade this evening without a a discipline of prayer. I'm astonished at how many people never pray. Or they pray when, uh, when, when, when problems come uh, sometimes. They, uh, they for sure call a preacher, want him to pray. But as far as Praying, they seldom ever if put any prayer in life. And you're not going to be successful in the Christian life without a discipline of prayer. Now, this involves humbling ourselves. This involves saying, God, you know what? I can't make it. You're going to have to help me. And uh, this means humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, you are going to have to move through me and for me if I'm going to be the Christian that I ought to be. And the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourself 
under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you uh, in due time. Psalms 35 verse 13 says, uh, uh, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself uh, with fasting. There's going to have to be a total consecration of your life. In the book uh, of Romans chapter 12, Paul gives a very classic statement uh, And he says these words, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that's your lives, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will will of God. So here we have then this uh, statement laid out. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, beseeching you. I'm, I'm speaking to you with urgency that you present your entire lives as a living sacrifice unto God. And he said, that's your reasonable service anyway. And don't be conformed to this world, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove uh, what is that good and acceptable uh, and perfect uh, will of God or in other words, if you're going to be a Christian, it's going to take your whole life. Here is the root of the problem. Many people are professing Christians. If you ask them, of course I'm a Christian. I was raised in America. If you're going to be a Christian, you have to do more than just dabble at it. A lot of people are dabblers. Uh, they dabble a little of this, they dabble a little of that. But Christianity is a, a, a faith that uh, it's reasonable that it, you give your whole life uh, to being a Christian uh, and you're going to have to conquer your pride to do that. You see, people who pray are people who have conquered their prayer, pride and say, God, I can't make this on my own, but I'm asking you to bring a dimension in my life. What did those scriptures say? Those scriptures said very plainly uh, that uh, the exceeding greatness of his power uh, towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead, that's resurrection power. And in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, it says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we even ask or think according to the power that works in you. So here we have then uh, this business uh, of conquering our pride and saying, God, uh, I want to live the Christian life. I'm asking you uh, to help me. Did you know that for every person who is destroyed by failure, and many people are afraid that they're going to fail, for every person who is destroyed by uh, failure, there's a thousand that are destroyed by success. How many of you know that God will let you win all the time? You say, what do you mean? I'm, that's uh, my faith, my faith, 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 faith. I got faith, faith. No, God will not let you win every battle because if he does, your head will be bigger than the state of Texas and you know how big that is. <laughs> so here we have this issue. Failing will not, uh, will not disqualify you. Failure 
uh, sometimes is very healthy for you. It brings you head up unless you get God involved in that. You've been doing this on your own strength. You've been, you've been thinking you're pretty spiffy. Yeah, you, you, think, you, you think you've really got things going for you. And about that time, the devil comes in. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. One final word in this is this Navy SEALs image. It was not one superhero that accomplished this. This was not Arnold Schwarzenegger, that, uh, the Terminator. That, no, no, no. Think about this. This were 32 men. They had trained to the nth degree, and they had trained to become a team. Each member of that team had a task that they were to perform. Some of them were to go into the building and could perform certain things. Some of them were to take out anyone who's outside, and we understand that one was on the roof firing at helicopters. Others were to kick the door down. They knew exactly what, the, what was in, that, uh, in the building, the dimension, and they had a team, someone on the lower floor, someone above, and very quickly, I, I think the entire... Uh, procedure didn't it didn't take over 35 minutes. They had it had his body. They were on their way back to the uh, uh, to uh, safety. This is a team effort. How many of you know that Christianity is a team effort? And in the Proverbs chapter 18 and verse one, gives some devi- uh, advice to every one of us, uh, and it says, "A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages uh, against." Uh, all wise judgment. Isolation is the route to failure. That means that you think you can do this by yourself. You never call for help. You never ask the aid of your fellow believer. If you read the Bible, Paul constantly said, pray for me. Pray for me. Are you still with me? People ask me all the time, said, Pastor, you look young. Man, you're full of life. You're bouncing around. Then I've got thousands of people praying for me. Still with me? Prayer is a wonderful event, and we cannot do this by ourselves. These men performed one of the major events of our lifetime, and as they did that, they struck a blow for freedom and justice, and they made a statement That was a challenge to all of us uh, because we are capable as believers of rising above our normal limitations uh, and accomplishing something tremendous for God. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. I'm enlisting Christian seals tonight. God's Holy Spirit tugs faithfully at people. I know the Holy Spirit has spoken to many tonight, challenging you to don't just be satisfied to live the normal Christian life, go to church on Sunday, come to services when you feel like it, be involved just enough so they don't call you a backslider. But God appeals to us to a noble enterprise glorious, glorious event. Only eternity will reveal the potential
that is in this congregation and in these congregations that are represented here. There are people, should Jesus tarry, that God is able to do things beyond your wildest imagination and you will never, ever know this side of eternity what an impact that you've had. See, these are perilous times. 